This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 19th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. How do police make use of so-called stingrays intercepting cell phone communications? And what do non-disclosure agreements with companies that make those stingrays mean for criminal justice? For the Cato Institute's Benefactors Summit in Las Vegas, Cato's Adam Bates discussed the implications. In 2013, uh, two, two men set up a drug deal in a parking lot uh, in Tallahassee. When the drug dealer arrived, the men pulled out guns, they robbed the drug dealer. They stole the drugs, uh, they stole money, and importantly, they stole the drug dealer's cell phone. Uh, the drug dealer managed to contact police, which is a 911 call that I would very much like to hear. Uh, <laughs> they stole my drugs, come help me, police. Uh, but a few days later, uh, the police managed to track down uh, the thieves. They found them with the drugs, they found the money, and they found uh, the stolen cell phone. Uh, I think uh, prosecutors would call this a, a slam dunk case. Uh, they, had the, the, they had the drugs and the money and the phone in the home uh, where, the men were, where the men were found. Uh, in Florida, this is armed, aggravated armed robbery, which carries more than 30 years in prison. It's a felony. Uh, so this is a dead-to-rights prosecution, 30 years in prison. Uh, but that's not what happened. Uh, instead, the men went home that day, the day of their trial, uh, with no jail time, uh, just probation. Uh, so what happened? Uh, a wary defense attorney couldn't quite figure how the police had managed to find uh, her client. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the, the police report how they, how they managed to find the cell phone, so she started asking questions. Uh, she started asking the police, uh, how'd, you, how'd you find my client? Uh, and the police, weirdly, uh, to the judge and the defense attorney said, well, we can't tell you that because it's a matter of national security. Uh, judges don't like hearing things like that, that uh, the, the state will not disclose the source of its evidence, that uh, the, the defendant doesn't have the opportunity to, to challenge the collection of this evidence. So the judge basically said, oh, well, all right, state, either you, either you produce this information or the evidence can't come in. And since that was virtually all of the evidence in the case, uh, prosecutor was in a tough spot. So the prosecutor went to the defense and said, okay, instead of 30 years, how about probation and they go home today? Because we are not going to uh, reveal the source of this investigation. Defense, as you might imagine, jumped at this opportunity and the guy walked out of court. Instead of 30 years for aggravated armed robbery, he got probation for petty theft. Uh, just so the state could protect uh, this government secret. And uh, what secret are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about this. This is called a Stingray uh, surveillance device. Uh, these devices present an array of issues that I'd like to get into. Uh, we don't have time to go through all of them, but I hope I can uh, let you know what I've been working on and, and hopefully uh, prompt some, some conversation about some of these issues so we can get into them a little deeper. Uh, first, I'd say, I'd like to start by saying I think it's a little foolish uh, to think that we can halt the technological progress of the state of the police. Uh, police technology is going to continue to develop, but I would just uh, ask you to start considering uh, what kind of limits, what kind of scrutiny we should be putting on this technology as it develops. Uh, so the Stingray, how does it work? The Stingray is what's known as a cellular site simulator. Uh, your cell phone is designed to connect to whichever cell tower is giving it the strongest signal at any given time. 
Uh, you don't have any input in this process. As you walk around, your cell phone is constantly looking for the strongest signal and connects to it. Uh, what the Stingray does is it projects a boosted signal that is stronger than any of the legitimate signals and it muscles out the legitimate cell signals and forces all the phones in the area to connect to it instead of to the legitimate cell tower. And then once your phone is connected to it, uh, the Stingray can rip data from your phone and they can also use it to triangulate the location of your phone to within uh, a few feet. So it's a very precise location tracking device and it can be used to take data off your phone. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed, but it's very heavily speculated that the Stingray is also capable of uh, taking not just identifying information like your phone's serial number, but also text messages, call logs, uh, things of that nature. And one of the things you'll notice is that uh, when the government denies that it's using the Stingrays for those purposes, for content collection, they will always say, uh, we do not configure our devices to collect content. To me, that sounds like a lawyer's way of saying the device is capable of, of collecting content, but you'll never get them to admit that. Uh, so typically the way this is used, there are, two, there are two primary ways this is used. One, as I said, your phone has a unique identifier. It's called an International Mobile Subscriber Identity, or MC number, that identifies your phone in the network of phones. So one way that the Stingray works is if they already know what your MC number is, if they already know the phone they're looking for and they just want to find out where that phone is, uh, they just put the MC number in the Stingray, they drive around. When that phone pings this fake cell network, they, they will know where you are. Uh, the other capability of the Stingray is if they don't have an MC number or they're not looking for anybody in particular, they can simply move around and collect the MC numbers of any cell phone in the area. Your, your, your cellular phone will automatically connect to this device uh, when it's activated. If somebody were outside this room with a Stingray, uh, and they turned it on, they would have the MC numbers of everybody in this room automatically. So it's a very powerful uh, surveillance dragnet in addition to being uh, a location tracking device. Like many devices that are now in use by law enforcement, the Stingray began its life uh, in use with the military and with intelligence agencies, especially uh, waging the war on drugs and the war on terror uh, overseas. Uh, just about every federal agency has Stingrays, including every branch of the military, uh, the DEA, FBI, U.S. Marshal Service, uh, the intelligence agencies, and also the IRS. And uh, God, God only knows what the IRS is doing with the device uh, that can tell it exactly where you are in your home or why they want that information. Uh, I won't even venture a guess, but it, it, it strikes me as odd and problematic. Uh, eventually, uh, as tends to happen, and this is a theme I hope we can revisit in the Q&A, uh, these federal military intelligence devices started making their way down into state and local law enforcement, uh, largely through federal grants, uh, often counterterrorism grants like the Urban Area Security Initiative uh, and programs like that. This map is from the ACLU. Uh, any state that's colored in is a state where it has been confirmed that they possess uh, Stingray devices. It's important to note on this map that just the gray states are not states that are not using stingrays. The gray states are just states where we haven't confirmed it yet. Uh, I would go out on a limb and suggest that the vast majority of states in this country have at least one law enforcement agency uh, that is equipped with stingray surveillance devices. Uh, okay, so these devices are proliferating from the federal government, from the intelligence apparatus down into local law enforcement. Uh, so why is this only coming to light now? This is something that uh, the federal government has been using for years. Uh, and the answer 
for why this is only coming up now, like the case I presented earlier, is because uh, the Stingray device has been shrouded in a level of government secrecy that I think even the people in this room uh, would find a bit shocking. I know I, know I certainly did. Uh, for instance, if you just want to find out what this thing is and how it operates, and you submit a FOIA request to the government, just tell me what the thing is and what it does. Uh, you'll get back something like this. Uh, for those who can't read this, this is three paragraphs of how to operate a Stingray. Every word is redacted except for turn the Stingray system on. Well, gee, thanks, government. My fears have been allayed. So, and this level of secrecy is not just about the operation of the device. It's not just about the tech specs uh, or anything like that. It's also uh, how the device is, what the legal status of the device is. Uh, when the manufacturer of the Stingray, which is the, the Harris Corporation, uh, applied to the FCC, so the, the Stingray emits radio waves, so the FCC has regulatory authority. So when the Harris Corporation applied to the FCC to license Stingrays to state and local law enforcement, uh, the FCC licensed it on condition that for state and local law enforcement to procure Stingrays, they had to coordinate with the FBI. Uh, the FBI, in turn, produced what they call a non-disclosure agreement uh, governing what law enforcement agencies can reveal about their use of the device. Uh, and until last year, even the terms of the non-disclosure agreement itself uh, were secret. If you submitted a FOIA request for the non-disclosure agreement, you would get back uh, pages after pages of redacted nonsense. Uh, that was until last year, the ACLU in New York uh, sued the Erie County Sheriff's Office uh, and procured a unredacted, an unredacted copy of this uh, non-disclosure agreement. Don't try to read that. Uh, I'm just, it's just there so I can prove to you that it exists. I will, I will read you the good bits. Uh, in short, the provisions of the non-disclosure agreement uh, forbid police and prosecutors from disclosing any information about the device, its capabilities, its software, or its uses. Uh, that, in, that includes disclosures to judges, uh, to defense attorneys, to FOIA requests, and certainly uh, to the public at large. Uh, the agreement also, which is this segment here, uh, orders law enforcement and prosecutors to withdraw evidence and even to drop entire criminal cases if it appears that the prosecution uh, is at risk of revealing uh, this technology. Uh, that's what happened in that Tallahassee case, uh, and that is not an isolated incident. I use the Tallahassee case so I can make drug dealer jokes about Florida State, but it's happened in Washington, it's happened in Baltimore, this is something that happens all over the country and surely happens more than we know about it. It's, it's a very rare case uh, where the defense attorney kind of figures out the game and the judge agrees before, before anything gets dropped. Adam Bates is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.